the the lessons from Jesus questions, right? And this, the question again is a, wor- a sentence worded or expressed so as to li- elicit information. And when Jesus does this, he he is a master at. Did everybody get a handout? I can print more if. Uh, if did you not want to do that section? Something about it. Okay. Yeah. I know people that sit on the right. Or, yeah. Um, but we we can definitely print a few more if we need we to. But, okay. Um, so the Jesus's questions are always very poignant. He does a masterful job at making sure that he cuts right to the to the crux of the matter. Today's passage actually is mirrored in Matthew, but we're really going to spend virtually all the time in the book of Luke. And uh, so the verses will be up on the screen and we'll reference them, but it's in Luke chapter 12. It's on your on your page as well. Luke chapter 12 and he said unto his disciples, "Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat." neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, excuse me, and which of you with uh, taking thought can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast in the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O ye of little faith. So that's one of the questions, right? And seek ye not what ye shall eat and what or what ye shall drink, neither be ye doubtful uh, be ye of doubtful mind, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father knoweth that ye have need of these things, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So uh, so it's really, you know, I've entitled the message today to consider the ravens and consider the lilies. And it's, it's interesting because Jesus is challenging the disciples to think about something that they already know, right? He's not, he's not saying, well, let's consider molecular physics, right? He's giving them an illustration that's right in front of them, something they already know. And there is this lesson to learn from nature. And it's not the only time that Jesus does this. Obviously, we know about the sower and the seed or the, the mustard seed, the corn of wheat. There's, there's different times where Jesus has used a physical illustration to communicate a spiritual principle. We also see it in other places in Scripture. So as I've mentioned before, we kind of divide this lesson or this series into kind of two parts. There's an ongoing series study point. It's a tool for you to be able to study scripture yourself. So we're going to spend a few minutes on that, and then we'll get back into this. But our series study point number five, natural examples are wonderful teachers. Natural examples are wonderful teachers. And he says to consider. Consider means to learn thoroughly, to examine carefully, to consider it well, not just to think about it, but to consider it well, to perceive, remark, observe, understand not just to look at the surface, but to, to dig down in a little bit, learn from it, 
but there are limits to the application, right? We'll see a couple examples here in, in a moment, right? That Solomon tells us to go to the ant, uh, right? So I'll just jump ahead. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways. So we see that same word again, consider. And be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. So every illustration applies, but it also has limits. It breaks down. You have to know when to stop. And it's when things are logical, when they're reasonable. He's not suggesting that you should be able to carry, what is it, 600 times your weight or whatever? I don't remember what an ant can carry. Like, that's not the point. It also doesn't mean you should dig a hole in the ground and put your food in the ground uh, in a way that an ant does. I would presume they, I don't know, chew it or do something to, to make a, 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 I don't know, a, yeah, you know, an ant, ant food out of it, right? To store it, um, an ant mash, I don't know, you know, what they, I don't know, you know, multi dick. Like, you don't have to dig your home in, a, in, in the earth to, like, every illustration breaks down at some point. What is the clear illustration when he says, hey, sluggard, go to the ant and consider her ways. She prepares for the future. She spends some, some energy now in advance of the winter, right? Aesop's fables do some of these same kinds of things, right? They teach through illustration, through, through, uh, through uh, you know, Aesop's fables almost always put more into the character than scripture does. We'll see a little bit more in that uh, personification in just a moment. But most of the time, these examples in scripture are pretty straightforward. They're not meant to be curveballs. And Jesus is doing this when he talks about the raven and the lilies. He's not suggesting that the feathers of the raven are enough to cover Therefore, you don't need to worry about clothes. <laughs> like, God gave you enough to come. No, that's not his point. Every <laughs> illustration breaks down at some point, right? Even when you consider this, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. And then I saw and considered it well, and looked upon it and re received instruction. Received instruction from a garden, from walls, right? Well, they weren't speaking, they weren't talking, but he looked over the natural situation and realized if you don't tend to things in your life, right? If you're, if you're a sluggard, if you don't put time and effort into things that maybe you don't want to do, like weeding things in your life, they're gonna overtake the good. And it's going to be a problem, and you're not going to be as fruitful as maybe you could be or should be, right? So every illustration applies, but every illustration breaks down. We even see this in Job. Ask now, and this is kind of that personification I was talking about. And Job, ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee, or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. Now, the teaching, the telling, the declaring is not audible, per se. I mean, it's not like they're speaking 
English to us or or Hebrew to to Job. They're not speaking and saying, "Hey, do this," but they are telling a story, right? You can learn from beasts. You can learn from the earth. You can learn, and God did this specifically, and he and he memorializes it. Paul memorializes it in Romans chapter one for the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Whether it's something as simple as molecular physics of a, of a, I think it's laminin that's in the form of a cross, whether it's the constellations that paint the picture of the gospel, there's like just, or really paint, paint much more than just the gospel, but they paint the picture of the gospel. There is all sorts of lessons to be learned if you just listen, and intellectually listen, to the things that are in front of you, right? Just listen. And in this example that Jesus is talking about, he's saying, consider the ravens and consider the lilies. So, obviously, the lilies have a beauty to them that was not even to be be compared to like Solomon, right? I mean, Solomon in all of his glory, all of his stuff was a different kind of glory, a different kind of beauty, if you will, than, than that of a lily. Like no matter how hard Solomon worked at what he did, he couldn't create a lily. He couldn't create the beauty of creation, right? So, Obviously, Jesus is saying, hey, you need, to, you need to take stock in my, God's faithfulness. God will take care of you. Does that mean you don't have to work? No, because we, we saw, obviously, the, the, the ant, right? We saw what happens to the slugger. That's not the point. He will provide. You shouldn't give too much mental assent to the stresses in your life. He's got this. And it reminded me of the great, great hymn. So, so is thy faithfulness. On some mornings, new mercies I see. Part of what I've needed, thy hand hath provided. So, so is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. So, so is thy faithfulness. O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, a large portion of you will be. Summer and winter, leap years, and on fifth Sundays, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature and manifold, manifold witness. So, so, thy faithfulness, mercy, and love. Blessings all mine and about 15 besides. Blessings all mine and about 15 besides. Obviously, it's ridiculous. Great is his faithfulness. Right? Yes. All through. He is going to provide you everything you need. And the problem is he doesn't provide us everything we want. Right? right? So Jesus is really talking to his disciples about perspective. Right? Perspective. God literally is not going to let you fail except at that which either doesn't matter or is not good for you. He literally, and, but we can't define success as a lot of zeros. And I, I've started saying a lot of zeros and commas in your bank account because a lot of bank accounts have zeros. They're just before the first number, right? So it's, it's like the commas, uh, you know, 
Then you know, with the zeros before, they don't put commas. Zero, they put commas in, now you're talking. Uh, but it's not about the number of commas you have, it's about the eternal impact that you can make for his kingdom. So our first lesson today is value is not determined in the temporal. And this is not maybe the, the wisest thing I've ever said, but in the one who defines value. Like, we don't get to determine value based on how we view the, the world. There was a, a man I interacted with uh, this week, and it was, it was really interesting, and, and maybe I'll have the opportunity to tell you more about the story at another, at another point. But he had some very specific targeted questions about Scripture, but he only wanted to filter them through his understanding of Scripture. So when it was like, well, that's not how that works. But what I've been told is heaven is a utopia. Well, what you've been told isn't necessarily right or what you're defining as utopia isn't necessarily accurate. So you don't get the right to define the terms of the reality. God gets the right to define the terms of the reality. So value is not determined by what I look at and I think of as value. By, by definition, I'm going to mess that up because I've got flesh on, right? I think I've, I think I've mentioned this before, but there was a man that ministered in, uh, to me in my past who would say things like, man, if that person would get saved, they would add so much to the kingdom, so much to the church. And, and Michelle really, I mean, she, she was the Holy Spirit, you know, with pantyhose on, although I don't think she was wearing pantyhose at the time, but, um, <laughs> but she was the Holy Spirit to me. And she's like, can't you say that about everyone? Like everyone that gets yeah. saved? Yeah. Like, I think adds to the kingdom. Like, I don't get the right to say, well, that guy is good looking, or that person has a lot of talent, or that person has through my filter of of what I see is valuable. <laughs> like just when someone walks through the door, when they enter the kingdom, they bring value. And it's not this kind of, Oh, we all have value. I mean, literally according to scripture, God's placed them in the body as it's pleased him. So when you're, when you find your niche in script or in, in the, in the body, scripture says that that is done to the, from the pleasure of the Lord. He gets to define the value. He gets to define it. So we have to change our perspective of value. We value our life by the substance it takes to sustain it, rather than trusting him as the provider. He converts food to our sustenance, right? So the first, the first part of this, he says, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, right? Don't worry about what ye shall eat. Obviously, we've seen in, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a common verse in Matthew 4, 4, and he answered and said, as written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Like, it isn't just about what it takes to sustain your life. That's not how we define value. The value is the relationship that we have in him and he as our provider. Even Philippians 4, 6 says, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. If you're hungry because you don't have food, ask God and he will provide. I, I'm reminded of the, the George Mueller stories of, of, you know, some of you, you know, I would encourage you to do some research on some people in, in biblical 
you know, history, I guess, if you'll say. And George Mueller was a guy who had an orphanage in in England. And uh, actually, it's it's been now that orphanage has been converted to a college, and some of those buildings are still standing today. But when he didn't have food for the kids that were in his orphanage, he prayed for it. And they never went hungry. They never went hungry. I mean, milk trucks broke down. Vehicle, people would show up and say, I don't know what happened, but I had too many cows and, and you know, they messed up the order and here's some extra meat, whatever it was. I don't remember all the stories. I do remember the story of the milk truck breaking down in front of the orphanage. And instead of the milk going to waste, they gave it to the orphanage. So cast your your burden, cast your burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never the, suffer the righteous to be moved. Like I don't know how more specific God needs to be in this, but there's ton more provision references in Scripture. And of the cares of this world, and the deceitful of the riches, and the lust of the other things entering in, they choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Literally, when Jesus is using the example of the sower and the seed, he he talks about the things that you worry about literally getting in the way of your faith. I mean, we have an opportunity to trust the trust the Lord for provision to to double or triple or or bolster our faith, but what we do is we literally allow those things to get in the way of our relationship with the Lord. Now, of course, we need to be ants. Right? We need to go we need to clean out our vineyard. We need to tend to the weeds so it doesn't get all overgrown. But the fruit, the benefit comes from the Lord. That's why I even look, he's the one that converts food to sustenance. Like, I, you know, even, even, if, even if you're like, well, I worked for this food. I earned, I earned my $15 an hour or whatever is the kind of the, the rate that seems to be going on. I'm seeing signs for it out and the people trying to recruit people to, to work in different things. I earned that cheeseburger. Okay, and I'm sure it tasted good going down. But do you realize you don't have the capacity to turn cheeseburger into energy? You didn't come up with that. You were born with that talent. I praise God for that. <laughs> Sam's evidently a ribeye guy. He always goes ribeye. And I mean, a, a good ribeye is good, but boy, a cheeseburger is just Amen. better than a ribeye. Because it's the meat and the cheese all together. Hi, boy. Is that what I said? Hi, boy. Literally. So I'm going to take this sidebar for just a second. I love High Boy. Have you all had High Boy? Yeah. High Boy, yeah. High Boy Drive-In out in Independence, Raytown, right on the border of Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I grew up. High Boy was our special uh, special night. Like we would go out a special night. We go out and have High Boy. I loved High Boy so much. I married one of their workers. <laughs> That's how much I loved High Boy. <laughs> The very <laughs> oh, it didn't matter location. The burgers are the same everywhere. <laughs> I still now they've been closed during the pandemic, but I'll, we'll still when we go in and <laughs> there'll be some young lady serving. I'm like, she looks good in that outfit. I'll say that to Michelle because <laughs> I'm just attracted to high boy workers. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> Joke and faithful. But 
Look at this. I am. I have been young and now an old in Psalm 37, and yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Like literally, God's faithfulness is enough to take care of you, and He gave you the capacity to take the things that He has provided and turn them into energy into life. You can't even do that. You can't even do that. The second, the second thing is we value our life by protecting it from shame through covering. This is kind of the complementary aspect to the message today. Yet his solution for nakedness is better than fig leaves. It's better than religion. It's better than just clothes. Notice it's really interesting because obviously in Genesis chapter 3, we see that Adam and his wife, the Lord did make coats of skins and clothe them. A sacrifice was required. An animal or animals had to die to be that skin. Right? I think the wording there is, is really important. But notice in Revelation chapter 3, the passage that applies to the Laodicean church, the church age I believe we're in today, because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. So here is a, a, an individual represented in type, a representative that has everything they need. They don't feel like they have need of anything, but notice their real state. Knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. But I got plenty of clothes. The clothing is not the problem. You're naked. You're shamed before the Lord. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, his white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. The, the shame of our nakedness needs to be clothed in his right, covered in his righteousness. Like we can't, like it would be super embarrassing. I've had this dream that I'm standing in front of you all not fully clothed. One person laughed. It would not be like the the funny thing about the dream is that y'all are still there, and that you haven't run away. Huh? That's how I know it's a dream. I'm like, this is definitely a dream because I know they so wouldn't be here. That's not the nakedness we're talking about. The nakedness is the fact that you can't provide enough for you. I don't care how hard you work. Your nakedness is still on display because the problem is you're insufficient before an almighty God. You're insufficient. And that's the beauty of his provision. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine? Notice or nakedness, which is kind of a weird, a little bit of a weird concept to me. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine. I kind of get all that. But would nakedness separate us from Christ? Well, yeah, our spiritual nakedness does, but not from the love of Christ, which is willing to cover that nakedness. Even our nakedness doesn't separate us from the love of Christ. It separates us from God because we're sinners, but it doesn't separate us from the love and his provision. It, we continued on that in weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fasting and cold and nakedness. Now this, I think I kind of get more. This is about like insufficiency. And notice in verse 30, if I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which confer, can, uh, concern my infirmities. 
So literally in that passage, Paul continues and he's talking about perils in the sea and perils among false brethren and all these different things. Yet he's like, if I'm going to glory, I will glory in my infirmities. Like I'm going to glory that I'm naked before him, that I need his covering in my life. I need his white raiment to cover my sins. My righteousness is not going to, is just not going to carry the day. It's just not going to carry the day. It's actually not even come close to carrying the day, to be honest. Notice what happens when we see the, I'm not going to use the naked as the word, but the unclothed, the unobstructed view of Christ. We see it in Matthew 17, and he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment was white as snow in Matthew 28. In Mark 9, the other reference about the Mount of Transfiguration, his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. It's not literally not physical for man to get there. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. Glistening, glistering I guess. It's so, so it's just real interesting to me that people, religious people, put on all of this stuff to try to make their relationship with God right, when in reality, they need to put off, I'm not suggesting we are here on church naked, but we put (laughs) off the old man and we put on Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, it's so blinding, they won't see your nakedness, according to these. It was like lightning. White as snow. Have you ever walked outside, especially if it's like, especially, uh, did I say something funny? I said no. tan. We didn't tan. Oh, no. Yeah, we would be very white, like that kind of not tanned, right? But it, so I, I, there have been a few times where I have walked outside after having been in, inside into a white, like a snow, and it is literally blinding mm-hmm. for a moment. Like it's hard to get depth. It's hard to see. That's kind of what we're talking about here. Like, it's so bright, it would be like lightning. And I'm no expert, but I'm pretty sure that the energy from lightning, if you were able to bottle it up and put it in a laser beam and shine it, it'd it'd burn your retinas. Mm -hmm. This is not a physical discussion. And yet the disciples are struggling with taking on and dealing with the physical. And he's like, don't worry about the physical. The God who created the raven, the God who created the lily, has got you. And then we define our, our, our life by external standards. I think this is really interesting because of the whole stature thing, right? Um, uh, duh, 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 I don't have the verse right in front of me. And which of you with taking thought can add to his stature one cubit? Add to his stature one cubit. It's interesting because I, I don't remember the context that I, that I was just that I was learning this, and I apologize that I don't remember. But all of all of advertising is working to make you think you're insufficient because you need. But getting their product will make you sufficient in some way, whether it's pleasure, the way you look, or whatever. I re, I so I was going through a time when my hairline was receding. 
I mean, at this point, it's it's like lawnmowers up here. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. They've been racing to the back of my head. Um, and I was, I was, I don't want to say struggling, but I was coming to the conclusion that I needed to actually shave my head, not just because I used clippers at one point, but I was, I was struggling with, you know, with this. And nah, struggle's too strong. I was thinking about it, I was considering it. It's way too strong of a term. And I literally remember hearing a, a commercial on the radio. I could drive, it was on I-70, right as it goes through the downtown loop. I could take you to the spot where I heard this because it was revolutionary for me. And it said, do you feel passed over at work because you're going bald? And I thought, what? if you're getting passed over at work, it's because you're not good at it. <laughs> What? Huh? No. <laughs> looking for an answer. It's. It isn't about the way you look. It isn't about like I can't add to my stature one cubit or one hair or one hair. <laughs> and and obviously the Lord has time to bless me in other areas because He doesn't have to spend as long counting the numbers of the hairs on my head. <laughs> He's kind of like, you may go. <laughs> Next. One. One. <laughs> One. Done. So notice he values the internal. Uh, again, if, you're, if you've spent any time at Midtown or in a church that teaches, you know this passage. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance nor the height of his stature. Like literally Jesus, I think, is kind of referencing this. He's actually saying you can't add to your stature. You can't add to your height. Don't worry about it. It's not about that. I have refused him, Saul, right, who had the stature. So his genes, his, his DNA caused him to grow taller than the next guy. So what? He didn't do that. I mean, would I have liked to have been tall enough to 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 compete against Travis Kelsey for a position on the Chiefs, yeah, maybe, but but I would have liked the opportunity to to have better athletic ability or to sing or to play instrument an instrument with with such you know skill that people would be like, I can't wait till the next time you play at church. Right now they're like, I can't wait till the next time you don't sing <laughs> out loud. <laughs> There are times that people turn around and look at me when they're in front of me, like, let's knock it down a notch. <laughs> I would love to have different aspects about me, but they do not change the standard in my relationship with Christ. My relationship with Christ is a different standard. It's not the outward appearance, but it's the heart. Notice, there, so, so, and I, and, there's several references like this that I could have put here. In 2 Samuel 21, and there was yet a, a, a battle in Gath, and there was a man of great stature who had on every hand six fingers and every foot six toes, four and twenty in number, and he was also uh, born to the giant. So so here's the deal. If I got to have 24 appendages or phalanges in order to have taller stature, I'm probably good with the 20 I've got. If I have to be... And these are really references to what, what Sam's been talking about. The tainted DNA, the confused DNA that's, that was going on on the earth at that period of time. 
And look, if you have, if I if I didn't realize that you actually have six fingers, I still love you. You're precious, according to what Sam said. Uh-huh. But you're abnormal, uh-huh. right? I mean, I'm, we're just going to address it, Chrissy. You're looking at me like you've got six. You don't have six fingers. <laughs> no, it's my toes. Oh, it's toes. <laughs> Some of us do. I've actually I've actually treated patients that had six toes, and you know what? Prior to them taking their shoe and sock off, I couldn't tell, right? <laughs> the point is, with respect to all of this, it's really not the outward appearance. It's what's going on on the inside. And this person with the great stature, with some with some external evidence, has a problem with their relationship. They have a problem with the purity of their of their lineage, right? And Jesus, but notice notice how he values the internal. It's interesting because Jesus grows in stature. He actually uses the same word, but it's a different application, right? And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. Wait a second. And in favor with God and man. So is he literally growing taller? I guess maybe there's an argument to be made that he is physically still growing at that point, right? But, But he's growing in stature, right? It's a different term than just his height. Or different implications. Notice, until we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statute, stature of the fullness of Christ. It's a new, it's a new, look, the transition from English to metric may be difficult for some people. The harder conversion is from external to internal. It's a completely different measuring stick. And just about the time you think you've got it down and looking at somebody and the way they are, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. So lesson two, glory comes from growth, not from work. Glory comes from growth, not from work. A plant growth, so he uses the illustration of the lilies, right? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these, right? So he's literally saying that plant growth relies on taking in what is provided. How does a lily grow? Well, it takes, you know, I, I don't know, I feel like eighth grade, ninth grade biology or, or whatever, right? It's taking in sun and like chloroplasts or chlorophyll or something turns the sun into energy. Some, something, some of you all know what I'm talking about. And the others mm-hmm. just know plants are green for a reason. Like <laughs> it takes that stuff, that external energy and turns it into food, right? It turns it into sustenance, right? It also takes, whether it's rain on it, I guess in some cases, but rain through its root systems, nutrients through its, its root systems. It takes from the external environment and it uses it to grow. That's literally what Christ wants us to do, but not of the world. He wants us to take what is the, the, the rules of growing are different. It's not about, it's not about working for it. Notice that he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Literally grow with weeping. Can a rush grow up without mire, like the the nutrients, the the muckety muck? Can the flag or the stalk grow without water? Literally, it's a it's a it's kind of a rhetorical question. Of course, it cannot. If you take it out of the dirt, if you don't give it water and you lay it on the ground, it's going to dry up and die, right? So we need to come, go with weeping, bearing prescient seed. We need the nutrients that He provides us and the water of the Word, right? 
that 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 allows us to grow. And then also, look, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted, in, beautiful illustration here, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Literally, you want to grow like a lily? You can grow by, by connecting to the water, to the sun of righteousness, right? S-O-N as well as, I guess, S-U-N, but the S-O-N of righteousness and the water of the word, the nutrients provided through that absorption process, that's how you're going to go. Plant yourself in the house of the Lord. Uh, You know, there are certain plants. I I actually meant to look this up, and I don't have time anyway, but there are certain plants that don't do well just by being moved if they're in a pot. I can't remember the name of the kind of plant, but that like if you move it, like all of its leaves fall off. Anybody know that? Uh, like literally, you can move it like from one room to another, and it like stresses out the plant, and the leaves will fall off. It doesn't necessarily kill it, but it, it like ah, yeah, I'm in a new room. <laughs> you know, there's a plant that will do that. There are some plants that literally don't do well with pulling them up and putting them in a different pot or transplanting them, right? Be planted in the house of the Lord. Dig in. Put some roots in. Here. Somewhere. Right? Mm-hmm. It also, the plant relies on uh, fruitful conditions. Fruitful conditions. Notice in Psalm 126, he that goeth forth... Oh, I don't know what happened here. Oh, some of these got um, duplicated, so I apologize. But look, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Right? Uh, oh, I just read that one. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How, how do you grow now in the New Testament? By growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord our, and Savior Jesus Christ. Sorry for the, the, uh, the mess up there. So you grow in fruitful conditions. And then our lesson number three as we, as we wrap up here. Seek the right things with confidence. Seek the right things with confidence. There are some directions for seeking. Don't have a little faith or a doubtful mind. He actually says that up in our passage. He's like, um, if then so God clothed the grass, that which, which is uh, today in the field and tomorrow is cast in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye doubt of a doubtful mind. So don't be of little faith or a doubtful mind. In Matthew eight twenty six, he says, oh, "Why are ye feel, to the disciples? Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? O thou of little faith, where, wherefore didst thou doubt? O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves? Look at these words: fear, doubt, and reason are going to mess you up." <laughs> You want to grow in the Lord? Stop being fearful and trust in his provision. Stop doubting and know that he's going to provide. And stop reasoning among yourselves about how you're going to take care of dinner. And this is the, the one of the examples when he multiplies, right? And they're like, well, do we go in the town and buy a bunch of food? Why are you reasoning among yourselves? Let me be God, you be the child of God, I've got this covered. And then lastly, seek not what the world seeks, seek the kingdom of God. 
seek the kingdom of God. The more we focus on him and the kingdom of God, the ministry we have in front of us, the more he will bless you. And this is not a social gospel. Please do not, that when I just said, the more he will bless you, if you thought, oh, maybe I'll get a check in the mail, you're missing the point. Maybe you'll get a raise, you're missing the point. He might stretch your pocketbook. He might stop that tire from from hitting that thing on the road that would have otherwise popped it and now you've got a cost. The person that wants to steal your catalytic converter hits the car next to yours instead of you. I mean, literally, like, I don't know what it is that he does, but he does those kinds of things. He will literally stretch your dollars if you allow him to. It doesn't have to be, oh, I got this check in the mail, right? Seek the kingdom of God first. And all these things, all the things he was talking about, the food, the raiment, the clothing, all the stuff you need, it'll be taken care of. Some of it will be taken care of through your work, through your effort, but it will be taken care of. So as we see, you know, value is not determined, or value is determined by the one who defines value. Glory comes from growth, not from work. And then seek the right things with confidence. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for uh, how you do take care of us. And Lord, I know in, in, a, in a world where even, or in a nation where even the poorest of the poor here are richer than most, most people in other, other countries, I, I've certainly, you know I've seen that. And it's, it's eye-opening. You take care of your children. Help us to be faithful. Provide us our necessary food. Provide us what we need to be able to minister. And then you take great pleasure in blessing us more. We trust you for all of these things. Help us not to have faith or little faith. And help us not to doubt. Help us not to reason. Help us not to fear. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.